Michael Vax has over 20 years of leadership experience across the digital commerce landscape. He has led the development of e-commerce platforms at Hybris, Spryker, and Elastic Path. With this extensive experience, he is currently helping customers upskill their teams in digital commerce, develop innovative roadmaps, and boost their market growth in his new consulting company, Commerce Sells Digital. Today, Piotr speaks to Michael about the digital commerce landscape, which keeps broadening into markets previously unheard of in the digital sphere. They also talk about the pros and cons of a feature-driven versus industry-driven versus architecture-driven approach, the lessons B2C can learn from the B2B business, and what would be the best first steps if you want your company to go through a digital transformation. Tune in. Hello everyone, today my guest is Michael Wax. Michael led the development of e-commerce platforms at Hybris, Spryker and Elastic Path. Now he helps customers upskill their teams in digital commerce and develop innovative roadmaps to unlock the growth potential. I'm super excited to ask Michael what he thinks about the architecture-driven e-commerce. Is it just a stopover? Uh, we're gonna talk about what made Hybris and Elastic Path so successful and if the tech cycle repeats itself for today's contenders. Hello, Michael. I'm super happy you accepted my invitation. Hi, Peter. Happy to be here. I'm a big fan of your podcast. That's great to hear. Uh, maybe let's first start with your professional background and how you got into IT and the managerial roles uh, of the platforms I mentioned in the interim. I started as a developer. Uh, and was doing development for uh, about 15 years, uh, again, in different roles as a developer, team lead, as an architect. Uh, developed a number of uh, email systems uh, in my life, including the first uh, web email, and this was kind of during the first uh, internet <laughs> uh, craziness. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. we had a web-based email done before Hotmail hit the market for people old enough to remember. Um, uh, so it was C, C++ and CGI? Yes, it or? was C++. No, it actually was C++. Uh, and at the time, nothing was available. So we needed even develop. Uh, I designed my own application server. <laughs> and was a kind of parsing HTTP uh, requests and things like that, craziness like that. I uh, was doing Ajax before um, term has been invented. <laughs> Um, so this was kind of my um, de uh, uh, development background. And um, then around this time, I also kind of realized that uh, I have so many ideas, I want to do so much. And for this, it's much better to, do, to have a team <laughs> because you just move faster <laughs> and work with other smart people. And this is how I moved uh, into a CTO role, uh, then uh, VP of development and work for a number of different companies doing uh, a learning system. And then I was um, invited to join Elastic Pass as a uh -huh. CTO. And this kind of was my entry into uh, e-commerce, which was probably 15 years ago. And at that time, I said, okay, there's nothing to do there, like a <laughs> shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, this uh, quite exciting uh, journey in e-commerce, which uh, never kind of amazed me how it's uh, moving along and uh, new interesting uh, developments coming along all the time. Absolutely. I I'm wondering what kind of CTO were you? I mean, with 15 years of professional software engineering, <clears throat> 
you were kind of you know hands-on CTO knowing each line of code or more uh, resting on the people's opinion like uh, how, how was it um, this is how it started yeah like uh, <laughs> me writing a lot of code and getting into this and to uh, architectural discussion and, uh, uh, and all of that so I was uh, quite um, active uh, in development in kind of initial uh, roles but then I um, got more excited about product side what actually you can achieve with the software uh, yeah. you develop. And uh, then it's kind of moved me more to the business, to the customer requirements, to understanding of the, of the market. I'm still relatively technical, but I don't do it kind of, I don't have, I'm not hands-on. And yeah. I uh, respect software development so much to understand that if you're not doing this every day uh, with your hands and your brain, then uh, yes, you're technical, you can maintain intelligent discussions with architects but you probably uh, should let other people to do uh, more technical stuff. Absolutely. Uh, as you said, the e-commerce is, is, is super exciting and it's uh, changing a, a lot and you spend more than 10 years uh, being chief product at Hybris, Elastic Pub and then Spryker. Um, can, you, can you say more about it? If you compare those uh, experiences one to another, the platforms one to another, uh, what, what's your conclusion in, in, in this perspective on te 10 years, you know, building this kind of software? Yeah, I, it's an interesting question. I have spent a long time uh, thinking about this. So uh, especially when it comes in the context of uh, Elastic Pass and Hybras, um, it's easy to compare them because they started around the same time uh, and companies were about the same size uh, uh, for a while, kind of uh, between 1,500 people. Even technology was the same. This, uh, they use the same open source uh, Java stack. Yeah. And both companies had smart people and found early success with enterprise customers. For example, at Elastic Pass, we had Google Maps, uh, Time Magazine, and Semantic as uh, our customers. But at the end, Hybris was much more successful. Gotcha, yeah. And uh, I believe that this happened because Hybris was really obsessed with the product architecture and functionality. Mm -hmm. And I discussed with uh, Hybrid uh, co-founder and other people, they uh, were uh, focusing on products. They were um, letting partners, agencies to do services, and they were rebuilding the product, improving it all the time. Yeah? And uh, this, uh, from my perspective, uh, this is was main reason, the difference of level of success they uh, achieved. Uh, right now, Elastic Path, I think they found the new headless uh, footing and um, they have an opportunity to start to grow again, but they lost this opportunity to be as big as uh, Hybris became. So you mean the reason uh, was partially in, um, in the focus of the company? Absolutely. They, they lost the focus on product, uh, trying to provide the, the clients with, uh, let's say, end-to-end -end solutions, more or less, right? Yeah, they basically uh, traded uh, long-term goals uh, for short-term wins. Yeah, yeah. because uh, yeah. Uh, you see engineering saying, why I'm not charging $1,000 uh, per day for him, yeah? It's pretty much the same uh, story I heard about Salesforce Commerce Cloud and Intershop, uh, like Intershop focus on the uh, services and providing the customers with end-to-end -end solutions, also focusing on the short-term uh, revenues, growth, and um, you know other points. And the Salesforce Commerce Cloud, uh, like born out of this uh, concept, 
ideas and base was super focused only on product and uh, software as a service distribution model. So th th this, this kind of situations happens uh, <laughs> uh, all over. And uh, yeah, that's a that's, that's good point. Um, yes, um, I think there's a lot of value in working closely with customers and learning from them. That's obvious. Yeah, yeah they all uh, uh, would agree with this. But uh, one of the things that you cannot allow uh, uh, to do is to build feature only for one particular customer. Yeah. Some startups need Absolutely. to do it because, yeah. again, they, they just need to survive. But as we're telling uh, my product managers that uh, if a year from now, the only explanation you can give me why this feature was built this way, that it was done for this customer, then you have not done yeah. your job as product manager. Gotcha. So, in other words, uh, can I say something like uh, like this? If you lost this focus on the product and focus on the customer needs, which are usually short, mid-term, right? The projects last for like one year, maybe something like this. Mm -hmm. You are just uh, you are just uh, decoupling from the market and the needs and how the market changes. So the next question is. How you saw the the market, uh, e-commerce software market change over the years, and what uh, what, what what change and what is making the uh, e-commerce software products su successful uh, back then, back in the day, when you were on Elastic Path, and and over the time and right now, how it's evolved. Um, we, we can see uh, different uh, important trends uh, going through. One is um, that um, digital commerce, and I call it digital commerce because uh, it's much broader term. Uh, basically, yeah. everything that is transactional and done through digital means uh, we call now uh, digital commerce. Um, it's really broadens uh, in a way that um, different type of businesses are uh, implementing digital solution. Those that you wouldn't probably consider the kind of uh, e-commerce. Uh, I had very... Uh, you, you, mean, you mean it's more broader than just retailers or just yes. typical B2Bs, right? Wholesalers. Was re I had really great experience at Hybris where uh, we implemented solutions for different industries. And it opened my eyes. We implemented solutions for telco. We implemented then we implemented solution for financial industries, mm -hmm. for uh, uh, media businesses, for travel industry, even for government. Yeah? Yeah. And um, those of you probably won't, they won't consider themselves to be e-commerce businesses. But at the end of the day, they have a products, they put them in catalog, they list them online, and they sell them this product or service or combination. So this yes. is a, a first thing that really is um, many more businesses are new, uh, in industries are getting into digital commerce. And now it's just been accelerated uh, <laughs> by pandemic even further. Yeah? Uh, yeah. And the other thing I see is that uh, we need to solve uh, more complex use cases. And, um, and this is... a. Uh, natural because uh, as people experimenting and successful with uh, digital commerce, they want to automate more, they want to uh, improve their customer experience, which um, immediately comes with this complexity. So mm -hmm. e-commerce vendors should be able uh, to meet uh, this uh, demand and develop uh, solutions uh, for all these use cases. Gotcha. One of the use cases probably is kind of marketplace, getting more and more popular. And I know that you were um, heading this uh, 
this line at Spryker. Uh, can you say more about this this product and what challenges uh, you, you had implementing it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually was fascinated by marketplace models since Apple has released the App Store. Uh, yeah. It looked like a really kind of neat idea. Uh, have other people add value to your platform by developing apps so you can sell more iPhones. So uh, yeah. this idea of adding uh, other people, adding more value to your business, that is an essence of marketplace, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I even uh, built a prototype uh, at Elastic Pass before I had left, but um, that unfortunately didn't go um, further. But after developing a solution at Spryker, uh, even more excited with business opportunities uh, brought by marketplaces. Uh, there's a lot of excitement in the industry about uh, uh, digital marketplaces. Businesses are selling on third-party marketplace or changing their business model to become marketplace. We have classic and enterprise marketplace. Some of them selling products, some of them selling services uh, to consumer business, consumer to consumer. Um, and so also a, a bit of confusion, what's marketplace? When I'm talking about, I'm go, uh, about marketplace, I'm talking about selling on marketplace or becoming a marketplace. So I recently published an yeah. uh, iconographic digital marketplace explained uh, that kind of helps uh, to clarify all these things. But the main uh, difference to understand is between classic marketplace and enterprise marketplace. And classic marketplace uh, is simple that we all as kind of consumers are uh, familiar with when you're a marketplace operator, you bring buyers and sellers together and you make money through commissions and some additional services. Yeah? Uh, enterprise marketplace is a term introduced by Gartner, uh, is, um, actually has more potential and more interesting. Uh, it's basically saying, okay, I am a business. I already have my digital commerce infrastructure. I invested uh, into my own shop, is it B2C or B2B? And now I want to open it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this really uh, has uh, a lot of uh, potential. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of different type of businesses who can benefit from it. And uh, we as Spryker have a lot of customers and prospects um, that you can, from all type of different uh, businesses and industries. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah. for example, obvious one uh, will be retailer, yeah? Um, but there also uh, are companies uh, like, um, Manufacturers, yeah, uh, because they're putting this infrastructure and they, they, they can go directly to consumers, they can go uh, provide infrastructure for the distributors, yeah. Um, distributors are other uh, um, good uh, industry or type of businesses that benefit from marketplace because they can uh, provide more, uh, they can provide additional services. They also can provide digital infrastructure for, for the buyers, yeah, and make also yeah. add party products. So there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of potential, and they can even um, act in many different roles, as you said. Like, I mean, this uh, manufacturer can be uh, positioned over uh, marketplace and do drop shipping if they have a commerce operations for some distributor, or they can have their own shop, but they are just manufacturers, so they probably need to add some offer from other guys. So having marketplace is also a great option for those folks. Okay, Michael, what do you think about this architecture-driven versus feature-driven and the headless? You know, it makes the 
software vendors building a way more generalistic solutions, having less features, but let's say better architecture or different architecture. Do you think it's a trend that stay with us for a longer period of time or is it just a stopover when the architecture is gonna you know, evolve, they, they will be back to adding more features and uh, verticals? Um, first of all, I really welcome the trend because uh, I think that uh, solid architecture is the best, uh, is the base for any product success. Yeah, you cannot build long-term uh, solution on a shaky foundation. So this is a must. Yeah. So I really welcome uh, customers doing this. Uh, but Michael, th those platforms, I mean, hybrids, Elastic Path, once also had really cool architecture. Hasn't that? I, I think that they. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but mm -hmm. now it's it's just changed because the technology evolved, right? Yes, uh, that's definitely uh, true. Technology evolves, uh, and uh, even kind of um, main principles of uh, what people expect from uh, technology or from systems uh, evolve. Uh, when yeah. um, Hybris was very successful, everybody expected uh, this big suite that has everything in it. That was customer uh, wanted, yeah, uh, and of course there are pros and cons uh, for having it. Uh, so I think now this uh, trend of uh, composable architecture and uh, API driven is absolutely right trend. <clears throat> uh, having said so, uh, I don't think uh, they can get away uh, from adding features. And yeah. the reason is that enterprise customers, and as soon as they kind of uh, uh, go um, beyond the early adopters. We will talk yeah. to uh, bigger customers. They don't want to accept long and costly implementations. And uh, it means that you cannot just build all required features during project implementation. People, people won't accept it. Yeah. yeah. So that is um, something that uh, needs to be done. So, so there's some balance uh, needs, needs to be found. You need to build this feature, of course, in a solid and um, meaningful uh, architectural way. Yeah, so they are uh, replaceable, they have API first and all of that, but you still need to build it. Like, um, I'm a big fan of uh, what you guys uh, done with uh, ViewStore or what uh, Frontastic guys uh, yeah, ViewStore. done, ViewStore yeah. front, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but we already had a customer who had complex requirements and they implementing uh, with one of these uh, uh, solutions. And all of a sudden, they found they have uh, several hundred uh, days of development not accounted for, because some features uh, they assumed also exist uh, in the front end were yeah. not there. Yeah. So for me, it's saying that um, you need to do both. But uh, it's uh, the worst scenario is to start building feature before you have good architecture. <laughs> that is disaster. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that the good thing is that um, probably this issue no longer exists. Like all those platforms that are contending the market or becoming leaders right now have really strong architecture. So that's, that's good. That's a very good, um, yeah. Yeah, on the other hand, I'm also wondering about another, uh, another uh, question. I mean, right now the platforms works more or less like a marketplace itself. Like uh, they all are saying you can use best of breed, um, PIM, search, um, marketing features. So the platform itself is uh, focusing on the backend, order processing, and uh, having it all integrated. But they are uh, saying something like 
uh, guys build um, add-ons to our platforms uh, and and we will let the user, the end client, compose it uh, of, of the services to have great uh, client uh, customer experience. So I'm wondering if, if the platform is going to go away of uh, like even Apple is doing or, or Facebook and other platform uh, in the world. So they are picking the best apps on the marketplace and including them into into core platform at some point, right? You had a lot of to-do apps for uh, Apple and uh, for iOS, and right now you have very cool to-do app uh, installed on your iPhone when you buy one. Do you think that this is also um, something we're going to observe in the upcoming years, that the platform itself is going to be more and more rich with the functions that are currently provided by external vendors? I think uh, that um, definitely is going to happen, but also vendors should be careful uh, of selecting what they want to do. Uh, I'll give an uh, example from e-commerce because this is kind of domain I'm most yeah. familiar um, with. Yeah? So um, every company needs to understand what is the really bread and butter, yeah? what is the main thing for it. Like, uh, for yeah. a commerce platform, everything related to e-commerce, everything that's transactional, uh, shopping cart, uh, order processing, uh, ability to sell product services or you know, configurable product or any combination of them. That's your key. You uh, uh, may initially um, recommend somebody, uh, some app who is ahead of you to be part of your uh, app store and or your marketplace. Mm -hmm. But at the end, that's something that people probably would expect inside your platform. But if you take, uh, let's say, um, content management system, yeah? Um, mm -hmm. Yes, of course, yeah. you always need content management system when you are selling anything uh, online or even offline. Yeah, uh, Is it an mm -hmm. um, integral part of uh, e-commerce uh, suite? Not really. Yeah, I, I had yeah. discussion with uh, uh, many of our customers and actually spent, uh, had one team spending almost uh, half a year to improving yeah. our content management system. Because you can have some different uh, type of customers. Some of them saying, hey, I'm B2B shop. My content uh, requirements are very small and mm -hmm. uh, not very complex. I would like to use something from you because it's enough for me. I don't want to pay for another contract. But uh, mm -hmm. should uh, e-commerce platform become the best uh, content management system? Absolutely not. It's much better to partner. Gotcha. So what you are saying is that if you are this vendor, third-party company building your, let's say, apps or extensions or services around some platform, better avoid the core features. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're gonna be replaced at, at some, some point. point. You will, yes. Yeah, yeah. That makes that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, so, from what we what we were saying, it's not clear for me. Uh, so I will ask maybe a different different way. Um, do you think that we gonna expect a kind of headless platform of, of your name, like like whatever platform it is, I don't want to put any names here, but some platform is contending the market right now for industry X, like for finances, for insurance, for uh, B2B, for anything like, do you think that you're gonna go into way of, let's say distributions, so the platform itself, but as hybrids had those accelerators for some specific industries, um, are we going to see something like this happening for all those uh, architecture-driven platforms? 
Do you think that that that, that that's something we, we, we could expect? Um, I think it's already happening to degree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely see this happen with payment industry. Uh, yeah. And going even more, like with uh, checkout.com, for example, yeah. Um, and I see it also happening in some financial industry, in uh, uh, even some compliance industries. There's a lot of um, announcements now that this is happening. Um, but um, I have a different wish or, or request for this headless, uh, if I may. So for me, it's not an yeah. industry, but the type of application. I'm looking for headless backend. Yeah. And this is why. Like uh, we are building all these solutions uh, from combination of different components of services, yeah, which is uh, perfect. You are, have opportunity to create really good customer experience. But what about these people on backend? Um, if I'm, uh, let's mm-hmm. say, uh, uh, managing uh, responsible for business side of uh, e-commerce, and um, I want to look from this backend user perspective, so they have a job to do. In most cases, they need to retrieve data and take actions that are crossing these boundaries between components we put together. They should be making kind of merchandising decisions that uh, they need to change products in PIM, they need to change promotion, uh, they may need to adjust the search, uh, search and and do content management changes. So how many different systems they need to access to? And is it really productive or, or acceptable for them? So I think we are doing a really good job on headless uh, on the storefront. And we need to see how we actually can use the same approach and seamlessly integrate it for backend users. Okay, I'm going to switch topic a little bit um, for your UX and product perspective. I mean, you did a lot of B2B and those, you know, let's let's name it edge cases, uh, so complex business cases. Uh, What is the uh, general difference when you are building e-commerce shop or digital experience because it's not always typical shop uh, for b2b and b2c or maybe this difference is uh, is just uh, getting lower and lower i mean the, the 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 customers from b2b expect the b2c experience or maybe not how how you see it um, yeah, I was involved with B2B in both hybrid and uh, a lot of Spriker where we um, actually spent two, almost two years uh, to yeah. become major B2B player and be recognized by analysts. So uh, the main difference is that um, what our customers are trying to accomplish. Uh, in B2B, customers come to online shop to do their job. Uh, and that's important because you, you need to approach customer experience from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. The other uh, main change is uh, the B2B buying process. One person who may be expert in these goods or services that needs to be bought selects what to buy. Another may be doing purchase, and the third one approves it. Yeah? So instead of user account, you have a company account with hierarchical structure, business units, different roles and permissions. And you also have uh, workflows, of course. Yeah. On top of these uh, B2B-specific features like request for code, punch out, shared card, renegotiated mm-hmm. prices, uh, and so on. So yes, it's quite different. At the same time, I believe that uh, B2B businesses have a lot to learn from B2C because just B2C yeah. e-commerce developed for longer and uh, as a lot of good practices that uh, B2B players um, are not using but should to, increase, uh, to improve their business. Gotcha. So 
there is a huge intersection between those two uh, different customers groups. Yes. Uh, you recently started Commerce is Digital. Uh, please tell us more about it and who is the target of this uh, of this service? Yes, I uh, um, basically came from uh, based on my experience in talking to customers. I realized uh, that um, there's a need that is not currently uh, fulfilled because we don't have enough people with digital commerce expertise. Mm -hmm. More and more businesses are starting to go digital, and now this pandemic is practically everybody. Yeah? But number of people uh, who have this experience hasn't increased. And uh, the second uh, thing is there's a lot, as we just discussed with B2B and B2C in previous question, uh, there's a lot of uh, best practices that develop in one side of industry or uh, uh, in one domain, and they're not shared across industries. Yep. So this is kind of my uh, main uh, two goals, to uh, help people to increase the digital commerce expertise through training uh, or advising, and then share these best uh, practices. And I came to it, um, what initially kind of uh, um, really triggered is, is my experience of building um, a solution for different industries, as I mentioned before, uh, for hybrids we did it for uh, different services industries uh, and so on. And I'm talking to many people and understand that they don't know how to translate what they want to do into digital commerce terms. They, uh, what, what, what do you mean translate? I like they they lack the skills to do it technically, or it's a lack of digital skills, but the more business like marketing or it's expressing what, their requirements no. mm -hmm. in a way uh, that a digital commerce system operates. Okay. Yeah. So um, they have expertise in their own business, and they have a vision of where we want to go but how yeah. to translate it into workable roadmap that takes advantage of everything that digital commerce learned in the last 15 years. Yeah. This is where, gotcha. uh, uh, where there's a gap. Yeah? So I created... So um, they, 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 they knew where they want to uh, go, but they cannot build the roadmap. They, they didn't know uh, how, not always didn't yeah. know how. Yeah, they're experts in their business, but not the experts in digital commerce. And uh, we all know yeah. how difficult to find people with such expertise. Of course. Yeah? So I created uh, a training which uh, targets um, product owners, business analysts, uh, business and technology leader, and any member of digital transformation team to, that gives them mm -hmm. opportunity to, inc to become the expert, to learn from what all other industries uh, uh, are doing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, that basically was uh, uh, was my focus. So I started working on this probably a year and a half ago and presented it on some conferences. And then also I needed a way to structure it. So I invented this digital commerce canvas framework that yeah. uh, helps uh, to build a roadmap. And I also structure the course um, around this. Um, I thought it would be easy for me to do because I have a lot of experience and expertise, but it still took several months of uh, research, recording, getting hundreds of <laughs> examples from industry. Um, but yeah, so I'm quite excited about this. And as many of your listeners are involved in e-commerce, I would greatly value their feedback and would like to offer them uh, early free access uh, to the course. That's awesome. Yeah, people listen, and this is great and only exclusive offer for you. 
So how to how to get access to this course? Uh, I will uh, share with you. The, the uh, people can uh, either contact me at um, yeah. LinkedIn or uh, uh, con uh, contact through commerceisdigital.com. This is the name of my website. And I also mm -hmm. share uh, this uh, coupon, the free coupon that I create uh, with you so you can post it. Okay, that's, that's cool. Okay, Michael, uh, we are uh, heading towards end of uh, topics I wanted to discuss with you. Uh, maybe uh, last one is uh, the question I always ask. What are the e-commerce trends and tech trends that make you excited? What excites me is this um, convergence of uh, online and offline commerce. Okay. Um, like uh, for quite a long time, we had... Uh, um, Basically, pure online companies are going, uh, putting their, their stores and their offering. Then uh, there was um, traditional retailers uh, were building their websites. And now I see digital commerce in, invading physical space. Okay. And there are many very exciting uh, use cases when customer can cross between online and offline, yeah? like with a, a QR code in, in a shop. Yeah. You, have, uh, uh, you can point your phone, you can get product details uh, on it. The digital um, vending machines, the digital displays that are smart, and when, as soon as you lift something from a shelf, uh, they show you promotion on this display because they know that you are in a store and close to it. There are many examples like this, and I'm quite excited about this development. Yeah, that that's sounds uh, like a way for a lot of innovation. Absolutely. There's, uh, and a lot of innovation actually um, happening there. Like, for example, at Spryker, we did this feature that, uh, and we did it for B2B. We, uh, mm -hmm. When you create a shopping cart, yeah, you can get a link to it. And you can send this link in email or in WhatsApp. So yeah. uh, I... Uh, sounds, sounds like pretty simple feature, but... Opening new use cases. Opening new use cases. And then, um, of course, it's actually password protected. And you can say uh, mm -hmm. who can share it, who, who can see it. Yeah, so you need to put this away. Yeah. And then when, I, let's say, there's a manager who is old uh, school and he really wants things to be printed. So you can print this uh, shopping cart for him, get his approval, the QR code on top of it, you scan it, you back to online world. Yeah. Okay, Michael, I don't have uh, any, any more questions. It was really cool having you here. Uh, thank you for your time. Um, and guys, if you have any questions to Michael or to me, just feel free to post it or, to, or contact us. And we are super happy to answer. And don't forget to uh, visit commerceisdigital.com where you can access uh, the early access to, to the course Michael is uh, preparing right now. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Catch the Tornado podcast. Make sure you subscribe us on your favorite platform and see you next week.